G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast on a Thursday afternoon coming at you with another Fry's Fast Five. The AFL trade period is now behind us, the NBA preseason is nearly behind us and the NFL is in full swing. So there's plenty to discuss on today's episode. I'm going to kick things off with an NBA bloke chasing a little bit of extra cash and I'm talking about Buddy Heald from the Sacramento Kings. Until Monday, every NBA team will have the opportunity to extend the contracts of rookies who were drafted in 2016. And Sacramento has apparently, reportedly, put on the table a four-year, $90 million extension for Buddy Heald. I had a little bit to say about this earlier, posting something on uh, Insta and Facebook, just about what the Kings should do with Buddy Heald. He had a career year last year, leading them in scoring, scored over 20 points a game. He shot the lights out as well, became a real big scoring threat for Sacramento and a good source of offense. So it'll be very interesting to see if anything financially does get committed before next Monday's deadline because the Sacramento Kings are in the point of their rebuild, I guess you could say, where they now need to start picking and choosing who they want to keep around and how much for. We saw in the past OKC kind of butchered their... Uh, not their rebuild, but their uh, growing of their team by trading away James Harden. They could have had an unreal dynasty there, picked to pay Sergi Barker instead. And Sacramento has similar problems on the horizon. They've got to make future financial commitments to De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, who if they keep going at the current rate that they're developing at, look like they'll be fringe all-stars, if not perennial all-stars in the future. There's no reason why Buddy Heald can't be a perennial all-star. The amount of threes he made last year was the seventh most most ever in NBA history. So he's definitely worth that bigger payday. Apparently he's chasing closer to 110 mil over four years. There were rumors that he might be even in contention for a max contract, which is five years and about 150 mil. So I think that's a bit too much to pay up for Buddy Heald. But there is a scenario where both sides can agree to a payday before next Monday. I think 110 mil for four years of Buddy Heald would be pretty good. I think he's shown throughout his high school and collegiate career that he's a bit of a late bloomer. He does get better as he gets more legs under him and he gets more time to develop and figure out his game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he backed up last year's success with another pretty good season, and I think he's worth 110 mil over four years. Second thing I'm going to discuss is the AFL trade period. We saw 33 deals get completed. More than half of them went down in the final 24 hours. A lot of haggling and speculation and hypothetical trade proposals uh, done and dusted now. The rumor mill is no more, and we saw plenty of interesting moves. Some of them weren't really needle movers. We saw Darcy Cameron go to Collingwood, for example. Billy Frampton ended up at the Crows. So those two deals are two that eventually, or originally spring to mind that aren't really huge factors. But there were plenty of trades that went down that could have a bit of an impact and change the fortunes of some clubs and maybe change the landscape of the league a little bit. Uh, I wrote an article earlier that I'll chuck the link in this uh, YouTube, uh, this podcast episode that you can check out, but basically talking about the half a dozen trades that did matter from the trade period. I think the biggest one is probably obviously Tim Kelly landing in West Coast. It doesn't feel like that only happened a week ago. It feels like that happened last year, but TK coming home is definitely a huge get. Fremantle losing Brad Hill 
is a big loss for them, but it's St Kilda's gain. They obviously went out and got all the players that they said they wanted to, including Dougal Howard and Paddy Ryder, two others that I mentioned in that for uh, that article. So it's interesting to see what St Kilda will do heading into the draft and in next season. They landed five dudes in this trade period, but I wonder if that's going to really see them vault into finals contention instantly in 2020. But regardless, it was pretty good gets on their behalf. One of the probably more underrated moves, it's being talked about a bit, but I think Alex Keith to the Bulldogs sets them up to be a force in the future. I've talked at a number of times at length about how I think the Bulldogs are well poised with their current list to make a consistent finals push for a number of years and potentially capture another flag or two in the process. And landing Keith as a good, solid key pillar in their back line is definitely going to help them keep their premiership window open. Third thing I want to talk about is some NBA stuff. Preseason is starting to wind down, but there are a couple of games on today that I got to tune a little bit into. One of them was the Atlanta Hawks and New York Knicks game, which Probably won't be right near the top of a lot of people's uh, preferred viewings, but it was interesting to watch Vince Carter run around. He ended up with 17 points and looked pretty good for the Hawks, and he has come out and said that he wants to play all 82 games this year. So I did a little bit of number crunching. He, Like I said, looked pretty good, and there's no reason why he can't play all 82 this year, but if he does play all 82 games in the upcoming season, he'll finish his career because... Everyone expects this to be his last hurrah. He's, I think, multiple times said that this will be his last year, but things may change, you never know. But if this is his final season and he plays all 82, he'll finish with 1,563 games, which would leave him as the second most games played in NBA history. Sitting currently second is Kareem, and to equal Kareem, Vince Carter needs to play at least 79 games. There's a bit of a gap between Kareem and Dirk Nowitzki, who's next on the list. So if Vince Carter manages to play 70, 70-plus games, chances are he'll finish in the top three. If he plays on next year, that might be something different. But I do wish him a hell of a lot of luck. Vince Carter's had a pretty unreal career, entering his NBA record 22nd season now, which is insane to say. But hopefully he can uh, push 82, at least get 79, so he equals Kareem for the second most games played in NBA history. Fourth thing to discuss is some NFL news. On the weekend, I'll do another episode previewing the entire Sunday slate and Monday night football games. But tomorrow, we'll get to see Kansas City and Denver matchup. Probably not a matchup that most people will enjoy watching, but there could be some fantasy uh, ramifications from this game. The Chiefs needed to get a win to get back on track. They've had back-to-back losses, and part of the reasons they've chalked up two straight L's is because Paddy Mahomes has been strained by an ankle injury. It'll be interesting to just watch him and see how his mobility is because if he's hurt, then the Chiefs can't function as much on offense. And really, their entire game plan and their entire team is built around their offense clicking. Their defense was built to be able to impact in high bursts and not be on the field as long with their offense hopefully moving the change and having a lot of possession of the ball. So Denver's defense, I still, I still think that Denver's defense is all right. They haven't really had the great season, and losing Bradley Chubb a couple of weeks ago definitely hurts. But they've got some solid dudes. Chris Harris Jr. is a pretty dope corner, and he might find himself traded before the deadline in about 12, 13 days' time. But he's definitely a good piece. Von Miller's good. So they've got some players on defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if Denver keeps this game close-ish. But... 
Again, Kansas City is really in a different stratosphere compared to the Broncos, so probably won't be a fantastic game, but it does have Danger Game written all over it for the Chiefs. Philip Lindsay, from a fantasy perspective, could be in for a big day. Kansas City hasn't really been great at stopping opposing running backs, so if you've got Philip Lindsay, I would definitely be starting him in your lineup. Similar could be said for Tyreek Hill. Made his return last week from injury, so he is going to be raring to go, and I would be starting him in all formats. A couple of their running backs, though, for the Chiefs, it's tough to pinpoint whether you should pick them or not. If you put all of them together, LaShawn McCoy, Darrell Williams, Damian Williams, if you coupled them as one, then their fantasy scores would be good. But the problem is Kansas City loves to kind of chop and change which runners they use. So if you're a Damian Williams owner, I'd probably start him. I own him in a handful of leagues and will probably give him the tick of approval, but I don't do it with a hell of a lot of confidence. But McCoy and Darrell Williams, I would definitely be benching. Williams, the Darrell variety, could probably be uh, axed, to be honest. He probably won't be getting too much game time now that Damian uh, Williams is healthy, but... Definitely an interesting game coming up, but like I said, I'll be previewing all of the Week 7 slate later on a weekend fries at Fast 5. Fifth and final thing I'm going to talk about today, there's plenty going on still involving Daryl Morey and his Twitter account, but uh, since coming back from China, LeBron James is now the one in the spotlight. Cutting a long story short, he had an impromptu press conference and kind of addressed a lot of the issues that have been going on between the NBA and China, while he was over in China, he and a couple of other players met with Adam Silver, and there's a lot been discussed and a lot talked about, and LeBron probably didn't word it too correctly and kind of threw Daramori under the bus, saying he probably wasn't as well informed about the issues going on, and hence the severity of the tweet kind of got taken out of hand, but... Honestly, I feel like we've kind of come out the other side of this issue. I know that for a lot of people, it'll continue to be a saga and a problem for the foreseeable future, but I hope that once the regular season kicks off, we'll be able to just get back into normal basketball. It doesn't look good for the Houston Rockets, and they might be blacklisted in China now, but LeBron probably put his foot in his mouth a bit, didn't say the right thing, but I hope we can all just move on and put whatever is going on with this geopolitical issue behind us. That's all I got for this Fast Five. I will endeavour to get the next episode up on Sunday at this rate because on Saturday I'm planning to record my big NBA preview podcasts with J-Lo. One for the East, one for the West, looking at every NBA team and then talking about some playoff picks and award winners. But that's all I've got for this one. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, peace.